Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, how are you doing this fine Wednesday afternoon? I'm doing really well, Mitch. How are you? I'm great. feel great. You know, beautiful. I was going to say beautiful day here in Nashville, Tennessee. It was like, it's like 50 degrees and kind of overcast, but it's nice chill in the air. It feels good outside. Yeah, I love that we're finally getting the chill in the air. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't know how you felt, but when we were watching the uh, college football playoff reveal on Tuesday night, it did seem kind of odd that we were already there. I don't know why this this season seems I'm, to, I'm sure you say the same thing every year. No, no, this year seems to be particularly fast. I feel like like we're already in November now and there's what six more weeks left of the regular season. It's like, God, where did that go? It's like the it, fastest regular season in sports. We that's why the off season is we spend so much time just talking and talking because it's basically a three-month regular season, September, October. It's done at Thanksgiving. I mean, we've got the championship weekend, but yeah. for a lot of teams, it's done Thanksgiving weekend, or then, then you got the bowl games, but it's it's really, really quick. Um, but I'm excited about the show today, Ari. We've got a guest, Manny Navarro. He's our beat writer for the University of Miami, but we're going to talk recruiting in the state of Florida. It's his first appearance in the show. It will not be his last. Manny is great, knows that. Knows South Florida, but the entire state really, really well. Um there is another job opening. We're going to talk about that school and a, a specific coach from the SWAC and whether or not he would be a good fit at that school. Rundown of latest commitments, uh, mailbag and trivia. I got to admit, Ari, I was in a meeting about an hour ago, and for the first time we've been doing the show, I realized I forgot the trivia question, I, but I, I rallied. During a meeting, came up with a trivia question. I think it's a good one. So Okay, good. I'm happy. You'll be, you'll be the judge of that, I guess. Yeah, well, we'll see how hard it was. Yeah, so... All right, Auburn, no surprise the job is open. It's open now. They pulled the plug on Brian Harson, the new athletic director, John Cohen, former baseball coach at Mississippi State, played and played at Mississippi State as well, athletic director at Mississippi State. If you're Auburn, who do you hire? I know you've probably talked extensively on this and on Andy's show from a recruit, you know, we're a recruiting podcast. And I know asking you to hire a coach based on recruiting is redundant because that's how you would hire a coach anyway. So who do you hire if you're Auburn? Yeah, I mean, like, are there Hail Mary answers or should I try to be um, realistic about it? Like the, Both. It's like, let me just ask you this before I tell you who my okay. candidate would be. Um, and my, my candidate might not necessarily be a name that people have heard much about. Kenny um, Dillingham? You know, no, I think that he's the perfect fit for one specific job. I don't think okay. he's, uh, you know... Bill Walsh, yeah. So I, I'm just uh, although but, I'm coming around on Kenny Dillingham as Oregon keeps scoring a ton of points. Yeah, so. I mean, oh my God, Oregon scoring a lot. Who would have ever seen that coming? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the idea of Deion Sanders, like five seconds, like what do you think? Like, do you like it and why? I mean, from sitting in my seat, I love it. 
because it would be a source of. No, if you were the athletic director, would you would you think take that seriously? I would take it seriously. I would need to sit down with him for a, a, you know get in a room with him for four hours and talk to him and 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 like how not dedicated how serious is he about building a program and, and, and staying for six to eight to ten years um you know it doesn't really happen in football much it happens in basketball guys just hired who had no coaching experience but like the fact that he's been successful at jackson state and won a lot of games would would do a lot for me it's not like i'm just hiring him off off of his high school prime academy or whatever like you know St. John's hires Chris Mullen, one of the best players in school history, was not a very good coach. Houston hired Clyde Drexler, had not coached, was not a very good coach. But Dion's already proven he can run a program. Now, he's not running a program in a place like Auburn, being under the fishbowl. Dion's probably I'm probably never been criticized by alumni before. First time you lose a game or you look you make a bad fourth down call, how's he going to react there? Um, so I, I think it's it's by no means a slam dunk, but I think you would have to go down that road. Okay, I'm with you on that. I don't know how realistic it is, but I just I wanted you to be the one from Auburn being interested. You mean? I mean, I think that they would. I, anybody who can get Travis Hunter to a team in the SWAC is uh, is uh, a candidate in my book for a Power Five job. I said that the second that happened. Um, I don't know if I were Dion if I would do that. Um, I think he could get a better job if he's patient. Really, better than Auburn? Auburn's a good job. This isn't Georgia Tech. Auburn's a good job. I don't know if I were Deion Sanders, I would want all the bullshit that comes with it. Like, I feel like I would rather, if I were Deion, and like, you know that the power of your name and, <coughs> excuse me, your reputation draws a certain type of prospect to wherever you are. I think I would want to go to a place that is more rational. Yeah, um, I, I said this last week, though. I think I said it here. If you're a big enough name... At Auburn, maybe you can eliminate the bullshit. Like Nick Saban eliminated the bullshit at Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know. This, this shit, is, this is not happening. I just don't, I don't know. want to hear from this booster. I don't want to hear from you. Yeah, and I don't know if that's reasonable or not uh, at I mean, certain places. You know, and like Nick Saban was a national champion coach at that but point. But he's not. He wasn't the Nick Saban now. No, that, I know. But Nick Saban was an NFL coach who they pulled out of the NFL who had won a national championship in that conference and was already one of the most respected names in the industry. It's not like when Nick Saban, like Nick Saban didn't just come out of nowhere. Um, and like Deion Sanders dances in the end zone and is a really good football player and is a loud and, you know, likable personality. And I know that that would work. I just don't know if he has the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the chutzpah. Is that the right word? Not really. No, it's like, not. Hutzpah the, is, like uh, is like the ball. I don't know if he has the weight to throw around yet in terms of like keeping people, because it would be his first time running a program of that size. And I think that when that happens, then there's a, there's a bunch of cooks in the kitchen there. Maybe I'm wrong, but well, you know how hard it is to get in touch with Dion. Like we work at a company with a no, lot of college I, football writers and well-connected people. No one can get the guy for an interview. So like, how are these boosters ever going to get I in touch with I wrote him? a story about, HBCUs before, like right when he got hired and the only way that I got him was by <laughs> joining a promotional call for Frito-Lay because he was in the Fritos commercial yes and then the entire time I was talking to him about HBCUs he was like using chip and dip analogies that was great it was and I had to like use them in the story it made no sense but yeah no I get it and maybe I'm wrong um 
I, like, it's a I fair question. Dion, if I were Dion, I would just like wait for Florida State to open and like just make that school badass again if that were to happen. You know, like I don't know if like he's at the point in his life where he feels like he has to rush for the first opportunity to get. And it's like, I don't know if he wants to just go head to head with Saban in every day of his life right now um, and be at a place that's been as unhinged. I think, think Dan's scared of Nick no, Saban. No, I don't think he's scared of Nick Saban. I just don't know if that would be the ideal first coaching job for him in the power five level. I think uh, maybe a, it would be. I, I see your point, but I th- also think it's a, you're talking the, the, the college football food chain for first time. The guy coming, I know he's not your yeah, team. Yeah, no, Auburn would be a great job. Auburn's pretty yeah. high up the food chain. Yeah, I know, but if Deion Sanders said no to Auburn and they won another year at Jackson State, you don't think he'd be the top candidate for every other job that's going to inevitably open? Probably. You know, like now, it's not like Auburn's the last chance. Like, who knows what the LSU job could be open in three years, for all you know. Yeah, I, I don't want to go too far down this road because I don't really know all the details, and you might, and I don't want to misspeak. But wasn't there something with his Prime Academy, some academic issues there? And yeah, I think I, he, you know, grad, when he had to get his diploma when he got the Jackson State. There, schools are, are are run by academics too, and that might put some people. Yeah, and I think too. that 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 is a that's certainly a talking point. Um, if he can win football games and recruit at a high level, I think people will figure it out. I mean, think about yeah. some of the some of the stuff that people will overlook when hiring coaches or attempting to hire coaches in the past five years. And I think that's relatively yes. benign compared to some of the stuff we've had to discuss on the show. So, okay. But so yes. who's, your, who's your number? Then, then, So my number one candidate would be Lane Kiffin. That's mine too. Um, Which is funny. And it's because- everybody's, it's everybody's number one. I don't even know if he'd want to do it. And I don't want to spend 10 minutes discussing it because it's cliche right now. Like, I think that that fit is just perfect. But he has um, not, one thing about him though, he has not recruited great at Ole Miss. He is winning. Yeah, no, I know. He's a good coach, and he's done some good things in the transfer portal. Now he's got a pretty good class this year, but it's not like he's signing top 15 classes at Ole Miss. So it's funny that both of us, especially you, uh, are, are promoted. But I've, I, I've, come, I've done a 180 on Lane Kiffin as a, as a high major co- a power five. Well, I think Lane Kiffin is just years. a more mature person now than he yeah. used to be. But and still, I think that he's still a has that edge to of mind, and he has yeah. an edge to him, at least online anyway. Um in interviews, post game, I would after. be afraid. I would be afraid about the recruiting stuff, um, but I also don't know, like, if you can take Ole Miss's recruiting results and hang them over his head, because it's like there's only a certain, you know, ask you freeze about recruiting at Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, quite well, but he also, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he dialed some phone numbers. He probably shouldn't have dialed there, Mitch. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, but I, I like that hire. But like, you know, who I think would be a legitimate candidate, and I don't know if anybody will talk about him. And Andy brought him up on the other show. Who is uh, Georgia's running backs court running game coordinator, running backs coach Del McGee? I've heard um, that. I don't know if you've heard that name before. Sure, but he has been um, on Georgia staff since 2016, and has basically been there for the entire build of it. He uh, is at a successful SEC program right now, and every single day that that guy wakes up, he is constantly uh, bombarded with a maniacal recruiting coach who has drained his entire staff uh, about recruiting excellence and what it takes to win at that level. And like the reason why Dan Lanning is doing such a good job at Oregon right now, I think is no mistake because when you learn from somebody who is as obsessed with recruiting as Kirby smart is, um, and I don't even know if like the Kirby smart tree or if it's just Nick Saban's grandson, but like uh, I would, I would pick Georgia's Georgia's coaching tree apart if I were a place like Auburn, it- because that's exactly what you need that type of temperament at Auburn 
to really get it done. Because like if you go back and look at Auburn's recruiting results, they're going to get certain guys just based on being Auburn. They've always had solid, solid results, no matter who the coach was. I don't think Gus Malzahn some sort of recruiting maniac. I mean, he was good. I mean, it wasn't great. Um, and I think if you got somebody in there that was obsessed with it, as you are when you're a coach at Georgia, but also have seen a program build from the other things that aren't just recruiting, like culture and, you know, they all signed seven that- top 10 classes in an eight year period at Auburn. And I'm looking at the right school, hopefully. Yeah. From uh, 2010 oh. through 2017. That's really good. That's better than I thought the results were. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and like, so who, and it's like, is Gus Malzahn like a, a, a ace recruiter to you? No, I probably, like you said, solid, but he was. So imagine like yeah. now mixing what I was saying with that, with that built in. I mean, Auburn's the type of program that could go get the number 263 overall linebacker out of South Carolina two weeks before signing day because it's freaking Auburn. Yeah. So like when you say it like that, like I think like Max mixing Dion with that or mixing a person that's a really, really good personality who has seen Georgia get built. I mean, you have the pieces of the puzzle there. Now, the thing that I'm concerned with Auburn is that they meddle with you sure. as a head coach. And like, if you're a first time head coach, I mean, Del McGee's not even a coordinator. So like, I can't imagine like if he goes there, like what they would do to him. Um, so maybe Dion is actually the best hope for that of like, leave me alone. Let me run this program. Let me recruit the way I want. Give me the resources I need and just, just, uh, screw off for two years and let me do this. Yeah. Um, and if that's the guy, then Dion's my top candidate. So two thoughts and then we'll move on. Well, one, not a thought, just look at a map people. Auburn is about two hours from Atlanta. It's, yeah. it is very close to the best city for talent, uh, east of north of Miami and east of the Mississippi are in and it can duck and it can duck into Florida every bit as easily as Alabama does it's near the panhandle there I mean there's some being some great players obviously from the panhandle I've changed my tune also on hiring a guy like Del McGee a position I've always said like how could you hire the guy's never even been a coordinator now more than ever being a head coach is a CEO if you're not an offensive guru you're not calling plays anyway or a defensive guru so just you know yeah Run the program, hire an offensive coordinator, hire a defensive coordinator. I'm not saying he's If the I guy. were an athletic director, I wouldn't even want my head coach to call the plays. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Um, so that's just something like for like I used to analyze coach at Athlon every year. We'd rank the new coaches and I'd analyze them like pros and cons and our common always, but he's never been a coordinator. How's he supposed to be a you yes. know, head coach? I mean, there are some Look things at you about, growing up and evolving with the time. Yeah, yes. But there are some things about organization if you're a coordinator you're in charge of more people i'm not saying it's not important at all um but it would i would be- say being a, a staff member under kirby smart weighs more to me than being the offensive coordinator at a mid-tier power five school fair all right a couple notes this one just thought was funny because you know we've been talking a lot about visits and committed players visiting did you see luke montgomery's tweet recently? uh which one's that okay luke is a top 50 offensive line commit from the class of 2023 in-state commit from Finlay, right? Going to, going to um, Ohio State. He tweeted out, I'm quoting, I will be attending the Georgia game this weekend as a capital guest capital visitor of my brother Ryan. Not going as a recruit. Go Bucks. No one should be worried. His younger brother, Ryan Montgomery, and is a, I don't know if he's he five-star, I don't know if he's five-star, a highly rated recruit in the class of 2025 who's going obviously going to the Georgia-Tennessee game as a recruit. And so Luke is going with them. So Luke is cutting it off right now. I'm not going as a visitor of Ohio State. 
So I just thought that was funny. Yeah. When he that signs be, with Ohio that State, be, that would be, really be quite the coup, though, if you flip the kid from Finley, Ohio, Georgia, for out of Ohio State's class. If I were a recruit, I'd just be like, guys, it's the best game on the season. I want to go watch it. Yeah. I remember um, – do you remember the Stinchcombs played at Georgia? John and Matt? Uh, it sounds very familiar. Well, but well, I don't... well Matt right now, he does a really good job. He's uh, – Unfortunately for him, he's on like the, the the C team for the SEC network. So his games are usually at 3 p.m. Central. So like who's watching an SEC game at 3 p.m. Central when it's like opposite the CBS SEC game? I forgot which one was younger or not, but one older one was playing at Georgia. And the younger one who was like a top 100 player, I don't know if this is before internet recruiting, came on an official visit to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was recruiting him. Guess what weekend he came? What weekend? They were playing Georgia. His brother was an offensive lineman in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> he got a the family got a free trip up to Nashville. They didn't have to pay for their gas or whatever to go watch their brother. Yeah. Their uh, guess, where he, guess where he signed? Georgia. Exactly. So, <laughs> well, um, I just knew if it was Georgia and Vanderbilt, regardless of anything, I just knew who won the battle. There, there have been I there have been a few actually over the years. I know. Yeah. Maybe probably not in the last not since Kirby got it going. Um so all right, you ready to talk a little Recruiting in the great state of Florida? Sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we welcome Manny Navarro to the show. Uh, Manny is the Miami beat writer for The Athletic, but we're not talking just hurricanes. We might slip a few hurricanes questions in there, but uh, we want to talk about... He's the, the king of Florida, too. You didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I, that was part of my introduction, okay. Ari. He is very tapped into the state of Florida recruiting and is also the unofficial or maybe official king of Florida Manny, first of all, thanks for joining us. Um, the first obvious question and the timing of this having you on is, is working out. Cormani McLean, number two player in the country, number one cornerback, last week committed. Everyone thought it was Florida. Sounds like the Miami staff might have even thought it was Florida. One of the more surprising announcements we've seen in the past couple of years. How surprised were you and what are kind of the repercussions throughout the state on this? Well, first off, guys, I just want to say I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm so happy to finally join the show because I'm always listening to you guys when I go out for my afternoon walks to my girls get home from school. So I really enjoy this, uh, and, and I'm very happy to be a guest. I think Ari and, and, and Mitch, both of you guys, are, are highly entertaining. I love the banner between the two of you. It really, really makes it fun for me. Um, second of all, I'm not the king of Florida. That's Andy Staples. He's still the king of Florida. I'm starting to start you North Florida? <laughs> king of North Florida and South Florida? Maybe we can divide it that way. I can be South Florida. He can be North Florida, Central Florida. 
Florida. He can have the rest of the state. Um, as far as Cormani McLean is concerned, yeah, I mean, I was completely shocked, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I had an entire story written, Mitch, that he was going to yes. Florida. Uh, I had teamed up with Alan Taylor, our, our Gators beat writer, and, and was helping him on a story uh, and, you know, was ready to, to hit send, right? Uh, after Cormani makes the announcement, all of a sudden, 10 minutes before he goes on TV, he tells a group of people in the audience there at Lakeland High, no, I'm, I'm going to Miami. And it just was was shocking. Hayes Fawcett, obviously, from on three, uh, ends up sending out the big uh, signal that he's going to Miami with the little poster and all that kind of stuff. And, and it kind of was like, wow, this is this is really happening. I, I, I got to say, it's probably one of the top three all-time stunning recruiting moments that I've covered in the 25-plus years I've been here in Florida. What are, what are the other two? Do you have two, or is it top three just kind of a – Well, I, I would say just wildness. I would say Alex Collins, right, who uh, was supposed to uh, – you know, everybody thought maybe he's going to stay home and go to go to Miami. Instead, ends up going to Arkansas. His mom takes the papers running away. And then for me personally, Willie Williams, uh, just that whole fiasco of uh, his recruitment and getting arrested and uh, on his visit to Florida and just everything that happened with him. Those are, to me, those are the top – this is up there with top three in, in state history. Manny, so now that there's been a uh, few days to kind of let this sink in a little bit, what did Miami do to get this done? Well, listen, I, I think there's a couple things. I mean, we, we'd all be uh, really stupid to not think NIL played a factor in this, right? I think it does for all of these elite kids. They all have to sort of weigh their options and think about what's what's available to them. But I think really ultimately what this comes down to is Demarcus Van Dyke, who used to be Miami's cornerbacks coach. He's now uh, still on Mario's staff, but he's no longer a position coach. He's he's part of that uh, you know recruiting office. He had a great relationship with Cormani for three years, and uh, you know you think about you know the other finalists uh, that that went into this. You know Florida and Coy Raymond. He had a great relationship as well uh, with Cormani. Um, you know the coach at Alabama who used to be down here at Miami. Uh, at, at, you know was recruiting him here to South Florida. He had a great relationship with Cormani as well. And I think in the end, you know, Demarcus Van Dyke, for whatever reason, just was able to get on, you know, Cormani's, uh, get to Cormani's heart, I think, in a lot of ways. And, you know, if, if the NIL is basically even or close to being even, I think it, it, for a lot of these kids, it just comes down to who do I who do I like the most? And I think to me, more than anything, this speaks to maybe what Mario Cristobal might do with his staff going forward, because you look at a lot of the top 2024 20, kids here in South Florida that Mario's after. Uh, Demarcus Van Dyke is the guy who is kind of the, the secret weapon for Miami. And he was the one. Didn't he tweet out? Uh, yeah, of him holding a gator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he, uh, he tweeted that out. I mean, they all have fun because they know what, what an intense battle this is really to to, to win. You know, these kids over and you know, Cormani was it, it was a three year recruitment. And that's what it's like when you when you go after these these elite five star kids. And you know, I got to spend a lot of time around Cormani this summer when I was with the South Florida Express. He played with them, the seven on seven team. And uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who think that he shouldn't be the number two recruit in the country, that he's still very raw, still doesn't play like the number two guy. And I think down the road he could could be, you know, when you look back at this class and say maybe he is the second best talent uh, in the country uh, behind that Manning kid. But uh, I think right now there's still a lot of room for him to grow, and he's going to have to be coached up at the next level. Manning, when you look at just kind of the discourse a little bit, maybe this is my fault, but – I feel like there was a lot to be made a uh, big deal about Billy Napier's arrival at Florida and how he was going to, you know, make Florida's SEC school, you know, the, the team to beat in the state. And I don't think that maybe we gave enough respect nationally to, to Mario Cristobal, which is ironic considering he was killing it in recruiting at Oregon. And I'm wondering, uh, based on 
on your time in Miami, you know, being around this team and stuff, there have been a lot of coaches who have come through there that were supposed to bring the U back, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be the next, you know, big thing in the recruiting realm. Like, is this is this different for for Miami? Yeah, I think without question, you know, I think you, you go back to the COVID year, right, a couple of years ago when when Manny Diaz put together a good class and he got two five-stars. He got James Williams and Leonard Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that just had to do with the fact that those guys couldn't take trips elsewhere. I think if James Williams and, and Leonard Taylor had been allowed to to visit other SEC schools and been been allowed to kind of, you know, go out and, and, and see the world a little more, I think they might have ended up elsewhere. Uh, you know, Mario's come in here, and right now he's got the two – best recruits in the state two of the of the nine five stars committed uh to the program and and you know I, that's not to take anything away from billy napier either because you know i sat there and I, I broke down the state i love doing my my research as mitch knows i love putting these huge charts together because i'm a big nerd yeah, Ari, if you think i like research and that's charts <laughs> man he's got a chart that he, i was intimidated by it was there's colors there's shades there's it was, it was impressive I'll, I'll send it to you, Ari, so you can just kind of laugh at it. Um, I mean, I'm not going to laugh. It'll just make me nervous. I just get scared about <laughs> it. So, uh, but, but I, I broke down the entire state. I got the, the thing up here. I mean, there's 81 uh, blue chip guys, you know, five and four stars in, in the state of Florida this year. And, you know, if you look at who's got the most, Billy Napier in Florida have got 14 mm-hmm. out, of the, uh, out of the 81. And, you know, Are Mar- you looking at it right now? I am. I'm looking over to my right. I've got it up on, on, my, on my other computer. Um, Miami's, Miami's got eight, Florida state's got five and UCF has four. So, I mean, I, I've compared the last five years, like how many of the elite kids are actually staying home? Because that's really the storyline, right? Can, can, can Mario and, and Billy Napier and Mike Norvell actually keep, you know, Alabama and Georgia out? Can they get enough of the kids to stay home that are elite kids? I'm not talking about, you know, the three stars, anybody can get those, but the, but the elite five and four star kids, um, between the four what I'll say the next power five schools, right? Because UCF is going to be joining the big 12, 46%. You look at that number last year before Mario Cristobal and Billy Napier got here, it's like 29 or 28%, you know, in terms of the, the elite sunshine state blue chip recruits that stayed home. So they're doing their job. They're, they're doing, they're recruiting at a much higher level. That's, that's good stuff. Really interesting. So, so how there. many, you say there was 80, what total 80, 81 blue chip recruits in the okay, state of Florida. So there's 81 blue chip recruits in the state of Florida. How many have to go to those three schools for that to be a successful year for them? I would say probably close to half, right? Right around what the number is now, 45, 50%, somewhere in that range. If you can get, you know, 40 something of those kids to end up between those four schools, you, you did a good so job. So would you rather have uh, the, the five stars that Miami has or the depth that Florida has? I, you know, as long as I've been doing this now, Ari, I would rather have more of the blue chips. I, they, I look at them as lottery tickets because you're going to have busts, right? Like every year there's going to be a four or five star kid. Lorenzo Lingard's one that, that, that comes to mind, right? Like he was a can't miss running back out of the state a few years ago. He comes to Miami, doesn't play the two years that he's here, goes to Florida. He still hasn't played. Um, I, I'd rather have more lottery tickets than than just the elite five-star guys because i i just think there's so so much more of a a hit and miss rate that the more opportunities you have the better chance you have of hitting than you do you know just just getting a handful of 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 top kids now manny with most states with power five schools there's a defined pecking order you know alabama auburn auburn's a great program but alabama's the number one program michigan michigan state we've seen what's happened up there from an outsider who's followed the sport since the late 80s or mid 80s i Florida's fascinating to me because, and correct me if I'm wrong, or you can make a case 
for any of, the, of those three teams, and we're not going to include UCF in this right yet, mm-hmm. as the number one program. Obviously, Florida's in the SEC. It's got great tradition over the last 30 years, probably the best fan base, great school, all that stuff. Miami's got South Florida, the national championships. Florida State has the history as well. In the state, is there a defined pecking order? You know, I think right now there really isn't. I, I would I would always sort of side with the SEC school. I would always say Florida first, right? Because I think most of the kids that you talk to say, I want to go play in the best league, right? And the SEC is hands down the best league in college football. So to me, I, I think you always have to side with the Gators. But in this case and moving forward, like I, I really do think, you know, a lot of kids are starting to look at rosters and opportunity and playing time. And Miami certainly offers a lot of that. I think you know, Florida State still does, even though they're they're kind of doing this mostly through the transfer portal. So I can't say that anybody is a clear cut leader right now. Um, but I, I would think that, you know, at, at heart, every single year, if you were to start this argument and say who who should be in front, I would always say the SEC school. I would always say Florida should be in front. Ari, what's your perception of the big three? How would you rank them? Um, my perception of the big, big three, I think I changed it because of Manny. Uh, <laughs> Ari's easily influenced. Well, no, it's it's a good point because I didn't realize that Florida had 14 of the blue chip prospects in the state. I think that's a really good thing. Now, the problem that I have with Florida is that they might be beating the the other two in, in terms of depth, but they are not close to beating the teams they have to beat in the conference they played. Uh, they play in, so it's like really hard to you know like what does Billy Napier have to do to be a successful coach at Florida? He probably has to sign a top seven or five class on a, any given year for four straight years in order to even be able to compete on the same field as a team like Alabama. So that to me, it's like the, the stakes are higher there. Um, but my perception coming into the podcast was that Miami was winning because it seems like they are, you know, doing some things at the top level. The kids like this, this recruitment specifically is like, that's the recruitment that Napier has to win. And I agree a hundred percent wholeheartedly with Manny about the, the idea that there are lottery tickets. Now, the thing about it is the higher the kid is ranked, the more likely that you're going to get paid on your lottery ticket. So like that to me, it's like, I think one five-star prospect, uh, especially one that's in the top five is probably worth four other top 500 players. Cause those are like, where does the blue chip ratio cut off like four fifty somewhere? Um, I think I would take one five-star over three players in the three hundreds. Um, but you know, I think that it's, it's, you have a case for Miami number one and Florida number one. Um, and I could be swayed either way. And I think Florida state seems to be a distant third, um, which is unfortunate because it looked like they really were gaining some steam. Like when they got Travis Hunter, um, that was, that was like, wow, maybe they're turning a corner and it's just like, you've got three coaches, two of which are in their first years at their programs. And Florida state seems to be a much better product on the field, but the recruiting numbers aren't, aren't matching up with that. So Maybe one A, one B, and three. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you you pretty much hit it on the nose the way it is. And I and I would say it's it, this is a much more pivotal year for Norville, obviously, than it is for 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 Cristobal and Napier in the sense that look, they're in year one. Nor, Norvell's in year three. And at a certain point, like the kids are going to start to you know take count. Like okay, look, uh, he's got to be better than than Miami and Florida right now, right? Florida State has to be better on the field. You have to start seeing those results. And maybe you've seen it to this point. Right, where where Florida State's a little bit better than than Miami and Florida, um, but I, I think going forward he's got to win with 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 this group of kids. And I'd also say he's got to start showing that some of the you know 
the young recruits that he's picked up, because a lot of this has been through the transfer portal, that he can start developing those guys, right? Like the guys in just the last couple classes, those guys have to start making more of an impact on the field uh, if Florida State's ever going to turn the corner here. Or I think you could have a situation where a lot of the recruits in the 24 class and 25 class looking forward saying, yeah, that's that's not the place I want to be. I'm not going to be developed. He just wins with transfer. So I think right now, from a recruiting perspective, Miami and Florida probably tied at that top spot with Florida State behind. I think the best example of – you seem so disappointed there. Aren't yeah, because like, I was like really going to come in hot. With okay, you know, if, you're, if you're coming in hot, go ahead. I, who am I to step no, on it's your okay. No, you're the host. Go ahead, and no, then I'll – you go. It, it's called anticipation. I'm going to make the people anticipate it now. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, I think – now now I feel like my point's going to suck, and you're just going to stare at me like – I mean, like, that's I'm, par for the course on that. I'm talking <laughs> – wait, I'm talking about Ohio State, though, so I know you're going to get excited. Yeah, I think, I'm a big I think homer. The, the best example of the lottery ticket that – is Ohio State the wide receiver core, wide receiver core. They keep stockpiling five stars or top 100 guys. They have so many lottery tickets. They lose two to the NFL. They lose one to Alabama as a transfer last year. They lose their per- perceived number one guy this year to injury, and they still have the best wide receiver core in the country because they keep having they keep stockpiling so many lottery tickets at that position, and they're basically guaranteeing they're going to be the best at the in the country at that position. Yeah, I think that I would probably actually now that I think about it more. Uh, I understand 100% what Manny's point is when he says lottery ticket, but I think that, like, the lottery tickets are probably the kids at the bottom of the class. Like, guys that you see something in, uh, let's say, like, a a three-star receiver at the bottom of Florida's class named Tyree Patterson um, ranks number 873, number 117 overall. Like, maybe that guy in three years will be, like, a first-round draft pick, and that would be the lottery ticket hitting because the odds are long. I I would actually think that the blue chip prospects are bingo balls what about the golden ticket and then the more bingo ball yeah i don't know the golden ticket's probably the number one overall player in the country and uh a quarterback but the more bingo balls you have in in the bucket that's you know you know the balls you know the more likely you are to get bingo i mean how old are you i'm a gambling addict i I don't play (laughs) i don't play bingo bingo's for 70 year olds yeah uh, you will be a bingo player at one point. It, honestly, if there's a if there's a payout and it's gambling, I don't care how old. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll play Keno. I'll do it all. But the more bingo, the more bingo balls you have to come out of the thing when you're playing bingo, the more likely it is that you will get bingo. So um, that to me is is an interesting. But here's the question I had for Manny. Um, so Florida's class right now ranks number nine overall. So you've got a top ten class, right? Everyone's happy. He he ha ha. Mm -hmm. But you look at it closer, and you've only got three players in the top 100, which, again, is uh, an improvement from the previous thing. But do you think that if Billy Napier signed four consecutive classes that rank number nine overall nationally and have an average of three top 100 players in them, that he will be the coach in four years? I would tend to think so because, look – he's going to start to get results here at some point. Like I think fundamentally what he's going after building through the offensive line, like that's, that's kind of what you have to be in the sec. If you don't have much of an offensive line, if you can't win up front, you're not going to win most games. Um, and so to me, I think from, from, from the way he's sort of attacking this, uh, you know, they're, they're going heavy on DBs, for instance, in this class, they need to upgrade it. Like, I think he's attacking it the right way as far as where they're addressing it. Like if you were to say, okay, he's just, 
the the three one hundred guys are I don't know a position that they really don't need right something that that's not a need like to me he's addressing needs in this class that when you look at Florida on defense right their secondary is where where the problems are um, you know offensive line you know everybody seems to have those issues in the state of Florida uh, they're, they're addressing it that way so to me um, I, I think he's he's taking the right approach and ultimately you know the fact that he's actually winning in the state of Florida for some of these kids whereas the previous coaching staff wasn't um the fact that they're they're, they're taking kids from ohio state um like, like they did obviously with with Dejon johnson like that that to me is it shows me that he's getting things going in the right way and i understand it's disappointing if you're a florida fan like cormani mcclain is supposed to be a gator like that's gator country like miami nobody's supposed to go into lakeland and pull kids like cormani mcclain but I think eventually, you know, if he starts to win some games on the field, you're going to see a difference with, with some of the elite, elite kids in, in Florida. And Mitch, real, what do you think? Just real quick, some numbers there. Um, Miami's class is eight, as you said. No, Miami's class is eight. Florida's class is nine. Average player rating in Miami's class, 92.22. Average player rating in Florida's class is 91.72. So right now their classes are very similar. Um if it, it depends, like this class with only three top 100 guys, let's say he ends up with four or five. Uh, what's the question for you? Will he be the coach in four years? Or three yeah, this years? Is the, if this is the baseline of the classes he's going to sign in for the next four years, will he be a coach, the head coach or year five? Yes, but I don't feel that strongly about it. Now, a lot of it's coaching him up. He had, he, he dominated the Sun Belt. I'd like to see their roster comparison. It's I'm not sure about he... coaching them up when you're playing Alabama. You're going to get your ass kicked. It's, what is Tennessee doing, though? They're coaching them up. Like, yeah, Tennessee's true, roster yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. so. Like, I know like, Tennessee is, like, actually right now. I know. This is, this is like not good for you, I mean, like, honestly, it is. And that's why they're going to lose on Saturday, probably. <laughs> and that's why but, they're not going to win the national title. It's going to – I mean, the cream is going to rise at the crop here – or to the top but, here. The theory, like in the, we talk about the Mac a lot, how all the programs are pretty much the same, and like how do you differentiate one program? Like how do you recruit to Akron versus Kent State and all that? And I'm sure they find a way to do that, but a lot of this is just coaching. The rosters look the same. Who's the best coach? Billy Napier, obviously, that staff did a great job because they dominated that league for the last few years. That's a good sign for Florida, but more to your point, Ari, you're, you're not going to coach him up and win big in the SEC. Maybe you can coach him up and win enough to keep his job. And we'll see what Tennessee's staying power. That's another thing for Florida. When Billy Napier got the job last year, he had Georgia in his own division, and then looked across. He had Alabama, LSU. Looked like Texas A&M at that point. Right now, he's got an emerging Tennessee program, and that's that. That makes his job more difficult. I, I was going to add. I think for Tennessee, like it really comes down to do you have that special quarterback right do you have that that guy who can basically do what the guys at Clemson did to lift them over the top because yeah. if you if you look at Clemson on paper with you know the Alabamas and Ohio State they didn't have the offensive and defensive linemen to play with them but they had the quarterbacks and 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 Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson to get them to national championship games so to me like Tennessee is is kind of like that where okay maybe they don't have you know, the beef up front on both sides of the line to do it, but they've certainly got the quarterback and the playmakers and they can light scoreboards up. And that's where I think Billy Napier and, and Mario Cristobal, ultimately, like, they're guys who want to run the ball. And, yes, you got to be able to run the ball to win, but, like, to me, you, you talk about scheme, right? Like, they're going to have to open their offenses up and, and find those quarterbacks who can put up 50 points a week the way Hendon Hooker is. Yeah, I my opinion would be no, uh, that he won't be the head coach there. 
because I think that when you get hired at Florida, you're not hired to coach them up. Everyone's coaching up their players. At Florida, you get hired to beat Georgia and, and Alabama for recruits. Um, so he has done that to a certain extent. He's already more advanced than Dan Mullen was, and he was there for how many years? Four? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he still will be, and that'll be wrong. But I, I think that even if he's the greatest offensive mind in the history of the sport, there will be a limitation to it. And I will say, and I'll go on record on this podcast right now, if Tennessee wins the national championship this year, like if they go and beat Georgia on the road, win the SEC, and win the national title. Do we have to change um, the name of this podcast? I mean, it would ha- it would really help. <laughs> it would make me rethink a lot of things, for sure. Because it would be like, I don't believe in UFOs, and then one landing in your front yard for me. Like, that's kind of what it would be like. So, um, I personally have... What if Bigfoot not, got out of that UFO? That would be... That like, would be something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like, because... Like Tennessee lost a lot of players in the portal too, which was what makes this such an insane. Because to me, it's like stars. It's like do you have a do you have a great quarterback, great stars, uh, you know that can flash at the skill position players is only one aspect of this depth and ability to endure injuries and being fresh at the end of the year and all those things that having a deep roster give you that don't show up necessarily in every box score is what puts you over the top. And I mean, can you bring in a, a defensive lineman in the third quarter on a critical third down that? didn't play much in the first half, but was awesome. Uh, highly rated prospect that can make a play when he's fresh in the third quarter. Like those are the types of things that get you over the top that win you games late in the year. And I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that Tennessee has that. And if they win a national championship, that would be, I think I would say the most surprising result. Uh, one of the most surprising results in college football history based on the context. Did, did Auburn, the uh, Cam Newton Auburn teams probably recruited better than the last. Tennessee's had up and down recruiting. I mean, I've got my little chart right here, but we Auburn's, always, you always. Auburn's you, class, like the stat, is, or the team that won the national championship that year, um, was the only one of three teams that didn't sign a top five class in either of the previous four years before winning it. In the, so, in what the yeah, Auburn era. won it in 2000. It was 2010, right? And so I've got back to 2008 here. They signed the 23 class in. Signed the 21 class in 2008, the 23 class in 2009, and the six, number six class in number 10. And, and all three of those exceptions signed at least one top 10 class in the previous four. So it's yeah. not like they were recruiting like in the 30s. Like and they, they were recruiting pretty well and having Cam Newton there. But here's the thing that people always tend to forget, and it like makes my blood boil. College football rosters were not compiled like they were t- 10 years ago like they are now. Like the best team in the country that like that Auburn team was awesome. That Auburn team would not win the national title in 2021. They just were not built for it. So, you know, as you go back and you try to pluck historical examples, I'm assuming that in 1990, there was probably a team that came out of nowhere and won or 1993, but like Georgia tech won the the best teams in the country. Didn't have the first 30 picks in a recess, you know, captain situation so like to me like tennessee i think they're ranked number 19th in the composite rankings which by the way is really good you know like for most programs 19 is good and if you have hendon hooker playing the way he is and um you know transcending that ranking a little bit then you might get them to 10 8 9 or or 7 but if they beat alabama and georgia in the same year win the sec and then go on to beat ohio state or whoever they're gonna have to face in the playoff the, um, the, the odds of that 
just from a math standpoint, a Vegas, it's like so it, it's mind boggling how incredible that would be. So, and there's there, a reason why if you go look at the Vegas odds, they're still like 14 or 15 to one, I think, to win the national title this year. Their last five classes are 18 from 22 backwards, 18, 22, 11, 13, and 21. Now they've had a lot of attrition in those classes. Yeah, I'd like to know how much is left over. From yeah, because they've had so much coaching change, uh, so, so much coaching turnover. In it's their- like if, if Josh Heupel wins a national championship this year, I think that would be one of the greatest individual seasons of coaching in the history of the game. I, I, well, well, well Mitch, I, I was going to say, go back to Clemson when they won the national title those two times. I mean, I, I know that they've had elite classes recently since winning the national championship, but I don't know that they were necessarily all top 10 classes. No, when starting they, in 2000, when they win, their first was in 16, right? So yeah. starting in 2012, 41, 28, 30, 28, 32, 29, 20. That's 20 was 2018. So they did not have a top 20 class in any of the five years preceding their – are you looking at me strange? Is that – Well, because that we just looked up the talent composite. That doesn't sound right You know why? Because in my chart, I was looking at North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> That's why I, I was like a little stud there for a second. Ari, they were in the test. test. You're a recruiting eight, writer. You should yeah. have known that was wrong. Well, that's why my face was scrunched up. I'm like, yeah. what are you reading? That's not Ari true. looked at me. I thought they had some. I thought Clemson had some classes in the teens before. Yeah, those. I was reading that. Like, what's, <laughs> yeah, what's it's the like 29. I'm like, that's not true at all. Can we start over? And we're not yeah, going to cut that out because we all we all made mistakes. I want everybody else to poop their pants while they're listening. Okay, number 58, number 52. No, that's Vanderbilt. Sorry, number 20. 15, 16, 9, 11, 16, and 7. So, obviously, they got better after winning yeah. the national championship there. Right. Um, Manny, two quick questions for you. Did you – I mean, I don't know how to phrase this. Like, Ari and I talk about this all the time, and it's obvious. But, like, Miami – Alabama coming into South Florida especially. But, like, Ari, Ari said that Miami – Alabama destroyed the state of Florida football because they just started taking all the, the, the great players – when did you notice that at first? Was it like, oh my, you know, Alabama keeps coming in here. And then my second part is, who's the best high school football player you have seen in South Florida? Mm, good, good questions. Um, when did Alabama really start? Like, I, I, I guess for me, I, I think back to Amari Cooper, right, when, coming out of Miami Northwestern. I remember talking to Amari when he came into when I used to work for the Miami Herald. I remember him coming in for his preseason photo shoot. And talking to him about that and, and just saying, like, okay, where are you going to school? And he said, Alabama. And I said, you're going you're gonna to leave Miami? Like, all the Northwestern kids are supposed to go to Miami. And he's like, no, I'm going to Alabama. And sure enough, that, that was kind of that moment. And then seeing Jerry Judy and some of the other elite receivers. Um, so it's been, you know, 10, 15 years now since this has been, since, since this has been going on. And then um, as far as the greatest players – I mean, look, I, I was lucky enough to see Frank Gore and, and Andre Johnson, two guys that, you know, I think will probably end up being in the Hall of Fame at some point. Andre Johnson's probably the, the best receiver in Texans history. Um, I, I would say, honestly, it was Willie Williams, at least at the high school level. Wow. I mean, to me, he was kind of like Lawrence Taylor reincarnated, like the way he played the game. I mean, it's just so dominant as a pass rusher, which is why I was – you know, I, I feel so terrible for him <laughs> that things didn't work out. He obviously had a tough upbringing and got himself arrested and got himself kicked out of out of a couple of schools. But um, yeah, I think I think Willie Williams had had things worked out for him. If he had a good head on his shoulders, he probably would have been the best one. I think that if you went around the the country and you asked people like who are similar to Manny, who have been around the block in a certain area of the country and covered a lot of games and seen a lot of players, that a lot of the answers to that question 
would be a player that didn't pan out. Yep. Now there are certain there are certain guys that were just transcendent from the beginning and turned out to be NFL Hall of Famers. I'm assuming, but like there there were players in Ohio when I was there for ten years that um, you know played at Glenville before I arrived and stuff that you know Ted Ginn Senior would say was three times better than my own kid and Ted Ginn Jr. is a 17 year vet in the NFL and the other guy didn't even sniff the college. You know what I mean? Or sniff making it out of college. So it really does kind of go to show you that athletic ability is only a part of the equation. And, you know, everybody likes to say that it's an an exact science and stuff. And you can't really know how someone's going to react to the college atmosphere because you got to, you know, have a good head on your shoulders and have heart and be willing to put the work in and all the things that go into being a great player and just being naturally gifted. Isn't one of those things. So uh, Manny, do you think, and then we'll let you get out of here. Will the U be back under Mario Cristobal at any point? <laughs> I feel like we always ask that question about Miami, right? Are they going to be back? Um, I, I think if Mario can't do it, I don't know who can. I don't know who wants to come here and deal with this pressure cooker from the fan base and all the headaches that you have. I'll, I'll tell you this. It's, it's a much more appealing job, Ari, than it was uh, for Manny Diaz or Mark Rick because things are actually happening now. They're, they're actually building infrastructure, right? They're yeah. building this – Three or four hundred million dollar indoor practice facility um, that that's going to be you know like NASA type of deal. So I think I think Mario could bring the U back. I think a lot of his success ultimately is going to be what does he do with his offense because it's obvious in college football today you got to have a wide open offense. You got to be able to score a lot of points. Alabama recognized that a few years ago. They changed. I think at some point Mario's going to have to go through that same transition. I think he'd love to be physical and play that, you know, ball dominant, ball control style. Um, I think you can do that in, against certain teams. I think in other games you just got to be able to light it up. So I, I, I do think Mario will get them there. I think he'll get them into the playoff. I don't know if he'll win a national championship here if he doesn't change the offense. That is kind of a weird thing when you think about the stakes of that. It's like if Mario Cristobal can't do it, then who the hell can? It's like if you're a fan of Miami, you got to be like, this better be it because it's yeah. like – I don't know who else you could possibly get at the after Urban this. Meyer. That would be something, man. Yeah. It's Manny, thanks for coming on. It's been – we've been doing this show for 15 months, and I've been trying to get you on, but Ari is always like, no, nah, nah, this isn't the right time for Manny. But, uh, yeah, we finally, that's exactly what went on. Yeah, but we will do this again very shortly. <laughs> Manny, are you going to listen to yourself when you're walking, or are you going to have to pick a new show? I might have to uh, skip over that part and just listen to you guys. I don't okay. want to listen to myself. I hate doing that. Yeah, well, you, can hopefully, to, um, you can listen to my reading off Clemson's recruiting rankings. And see yeah, all that guy talking about. Good job. The host has one job: is to have yeah. a functioning microphone and to read <laughs> the stats correctly. And you're over two today. So, <laughs> well, right, thanks Manny. for having me on, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Right, appreciate it. All right, thanks to Manny Navarro. Uh, that was really interesting stuff. We need to get Manny on more often. Really King of Florida. That. Yes, the King. Of, tell King Andy of, I said that. Oh, okay. I was gonna call him the King of South Florida, but King of Florida. All right, Player of the Week, and this again is a, uh, a guy who's just had an amazing career and was good last week. But Mo Ibrahim from University of Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota, 159 yards and three touchdowns last week and a 31 win over Rutgers. I, you know what? Cle- clearly a top five running back in college football. Would you say top ten, top five? I don't know. He's he's really good. He's really good. Yeah, productive. Uh, yeah, for sure. His recruitment, his ranking, what do you think the first number of his ranking is? His national ranking as a recruit? Seven. One. It's the thousands? 
number 1125 in the 247 sports composite in the class of 2017. Showed power five offers from Iowa and Kentucky. uh, Did a bunch of Mac schools from Good Counsel in Maryland. uh, One of PJ Flex first recruits, you know, obviously great get. um, Just, you know, been one of the most productive running backs. um, Would look good in Maryland uniform. I don't know. Would it? I was going to say, does everyone look good in Maryland? What do you think of Maryland uniforms? I hate them. I don't like them either. They wore the throwbacks a few weeks ago. That they were so herb. beautiful. They're, yeah. I, I know. I Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I also don't like Under Armour. Yeah, Under Armour uniforms. Adidas I and think Under Adidas uniforms, uniforms are terrible. Like, they don't yeah. even fit right. It looks like plaster. It's weird. Yeah. It's like if you watch a Texas A&M game, it's like their jerseys like are like diagonal to the ground. It's like their numbers aren't even straight. Like, Nikes are just like, they fit perfectly. The numbers are symmetrical, and they look pretty. And it's like, the more... I feel like the more loud your uniforms are, the uglier they are. I was like, I like the idea. Like some people like that's oh, the Maryland's flag. Their helmets are cool. Like, I mean, it was, I think those would be really cool alternates. I don't think they should be their main uniforms. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. We're going to take a look at a, a program. Oops, kind of a, n- a new segment. It's, it's a, not a named segment, but we kind of look at a program that's having a great year and just kind of check in on their recruiting. We're checking in on, a program local to you, Ari. Do you know what it is? TCU. Very good. Um, what do I you can't think? The imagine class, why. Don't look. What do you think the class is ranked? Uh, th- 42, 38. Well, which one? Uh, what do you mean, like ranked? What is their class ranked nationally? TCU. Oh, right now? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant like coming into the year. Uh, 39. 23. Oh. 20 commitments, four four-stars, 17 of the 20 are from Texas. Interesting, no quarterback. Yep. Uh, you know, not. I'm sure they will be very active in the portal for a quarterback. One thing that's interesting is how closely this class is ranked with Texas Tech, another Big 12 program. Texas Tech is ranked 22, one spot ahead. Player rate, Average player rating of 87.55. TCU's is 87.85, so that'll be something to watch down the stretch, this TCU-Texas Tech battle. I'm sure they go after similar recruits. Um, I'd have to look. I'm sure TCU is probably more Metroplex-focused, where Texas Tech, because it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, goes throughout the whole state. So um, any thoughts on your local your local outfit there? Well, I mean, I know that, uh, that Sonny Dykes knows Dallas better than anybody, um, and that's a nice little – thing to have on your side when you're at tcu and you know recruiting the state of texas is like the number one chief concern for every team in the big 12 in my opinion i don't care if you're oklahoma or iowa state like there's iowa state maybe not because they they kind of are in the midwest and that nebraska plane what's that the plains great plains great plains region um but baylor texas tech tcu houston uh, you know, moving forward, all these teams are going to consistently have to recruit Texas, and it's a battle. And you've got Joey McGuire, who is a beloved high school coach who's been everywhere in the state over the years, um, versus the uh, coach's son who has traveled around the country and has had some pretty big-time jobs coming back and just focusing, hyper-focused on Dallas. Um, and I think both are winnable strategies and watching the tug of war happen is going to be an interesting thing to, to behold. So, 
One thing uh, I did not mention there is Sonny Dykes is I a should have known TCU was rated higher. I'm kind of embarrassed yeah. by that. My Sonny guess. Dykes yeah. is a former baseball player at Texas Tech. So he's. Yeah, his dad was the coach there. Yeah, Spike. Did Spike you know Dykes. that? Of course I knew that. <laughs> he had an amazing run there of uh, no great seasons, no losing seasons. He like managed to go six and five like every Spike Dykes like every year seemingly. Um, but uh, beloved. I think it's fair to say beloved coach there. All right, we're going to uh, go over some commitments we're gonna lead off with tcu not a lot of commitments expect him to pick up a little bit signing day early signing period only about seven weeks away tcu warren roberson a safety number 228 overall from red oak texas ohio state went into georgia got four-star defensive lineman caden mcdonald uh mcconnell no mcdonald i guess i think i have a typo here Ari. Uh, number 293 we mentioned the the cormani mclean commitment to miami they also they flipped caleb spencer from oklahoma three-star linebacker from virginia number 692 overall and i'm just throwing this guy out because i mentioned him on a previous pod when we were talking about recruiting brothers of current players but uh the brother of florida tight end keon zipperer daydren zipperer had been committed to pit decommitted he just committed to utah so he's like in the 800s not a very high you know a three-star kid there just uh because I knew there was a, our listeners were clamoring for news on the Zipperer family there. So um, thank you the, for doing that. Yeah, but the big news, obviously, Cormani McLean, and, and we went into detail with uh, that with yep. the um, trivia. I will we'll, I'll hold these mailbag questions. We're going a little yeah, long, I think. Yeah, I'll, let's hold the mailbag for next week. Okay. We could do an entire mailbag show next week. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Your mailbags have been, your mailbags have been really good lately. I, thank you. Um, like the questions or the responses? Both. Both. Yeah. Um, all right. I thought I printed out the uh, – I got to find the uh, question here. All right. Hold on. Can you like sing in the background or something? This is can... just a banner day for you today. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? I'm, really usually, today. I'm usually perfect with my hosting. So if I'm going to screw up like three or four times, I might as well just do it in one show. Rather yeah. Than spread you, did it a good, you did a good job of, of making okay. sure that it all happened today. Did you, okay. did you figure the thing out yet? Yeah. I got it right here. Okay. I could have okay. just pretend – you know. I, I admit my flaws. Mm-hmm. I don't hide them like you do. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Oh, I didn't finish. <laughs> this is going to be great. Rank the top 10 teams in the college football playoff rankings in the order of their average recruiting ranking <laughs> over the last five years. Okay. I think I could do this. That's a pretty good question for rally. That is Lane, really right? good. Oh, yeah. No, it was very I did it during. Don't tell Jill. I did it during our, uh, during our meeting. This is, this is going to be very hard. Okay. So I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at the list here. I'm looking at the rankings. Yeah, you can you can look at yeah. the I'm not, you can because okay. So number one over how many of the past four or five? I did five. Normally you do four because like these elite teams don't have a ton of fifth year seniors, but because of the pandemic and, and guys, you know what's crazy, Mitch? I don't even know the answer to one. So this is a good question. It's it's tricky. So I'm gonna go number one, Georgia. Okay, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. There's a tie. <laughs> okay, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know if it was going to be Georgia or Bama. Okay, they're both their average class is two point two, because they went back and forth trading it. Yeah, but then Alabama had a, God forbid, they they signed the number five class in the country, and Georgia had a two and a four, so that's that's why they're tied. okay. So I would go one Georgia, two Alabama, or flip them. Okay, three would be Ohio State. That would be correct. Um, four, I'll say Clemson. 
Correct. Average ranking of seven. Uh, five. Man, see that this is going to be tri- five. Would be LSU. Correct. Like my pause there for dramatic. Yeah, well, effect. because like USC is different. Because like USC they is they have the number seventy one class in the country <laughs> one year, so this is like tricky. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so LSU's average class ranking. Is so I got the top five right. So no matter what happens now is gravy. I'm fine with that. Um, so you strive for fifty percent in your life? No, no. I'm just saying the top five is is really good. Um, five. So six. Well, anyone would, could do the top five. Six. I would say Michigan. Incorrect. Okay. Um, would it be Oregon? Yes, Oregon at ten point two. Okay, so then would seven be Michigan? That is correct. Twelve point eight would be Tennessee. Correct. Number seventeen. Um, A- average class ranking yes. number seventeen. Uh, so now it could. So I, I I have nine, ten, nine and ten left. Yes. No, I have three left. No. You've got Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Oregon, Michigan, and Tennessee. That's eight. Okay. So then next would be Southern California, and then last would be TCU. You call it Southern California on the pod? That's just what it's ranked in the release here. That's why I <laughs> USC said USC is next at 32.8, which because it had two really bad classes. And then TCU is 10th at 35.4. Hey. So you- that was a pretty good run. I didn't get it right, but I, I'm, I'm proud of myself. You got basically one out of order, you know. Yeah. You got two wrong, but one out of order. But you yes. quickly corrected your – so, good. Tennessee and Michigan, I think, have probably recruited very similarly. Michigan's average class is almost five spots higher. Oh, never mind. I'll just go uh, – I'm just going to stop. Yeah, I'm going to go out on top. Just quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know Tennessee had a few top – like, they had a top ten class in there somewhere, too. So Yeah. But, okay. They did. So, all right. Good job. That was kind of a jam-packed show, Mitch. Uh, I know. Well, I'm happy that we have seven more days uh, before our next one so that you can figure out all the things that went wrong for you today and, and try to come back a little bit better I'm gonna look next myself week, in but... the mirror. Gonna, I mean, yeah. Is there like a podcasting camp you can send me to? Yeah, I don't know. We uh, haven't even talked. Speaking of camp, we haven't even talked about the movie you made me watch. Well, I think you should. Heavyweights. We should go two more minutes, and okay. then we can talk about it. So, Mitch, what did you think <laughs> of heavyweights? I liked it. I felt a lot of pressure to absolutely love it. Put your fat finger down now. <laughs> I like to do it to it, Lars. I said that to Heather the other day, and she looked at me like she's like, "Where's that from?" Oh, that she goes, "What part? Like how many times was that in the movie?" So, um, I found it it's highly like inter- stupid things that you would never find quotable, having only watched it once. That are so quotable. Yeah, and also Just like had put- I watched it. Yeah. In the 90s, I sure would have found it funnier. And it had been, it, I would have seen it many times. And it Put the punch me. away. The insects yeah. will be out soon. <laughs> <laughs> but as I've told you, I don't want people to think I don't have that sense of humor. Like Zoolander is like my, one of my favorite movies. I, I think know, you should watch it again today. Not today. I need some time. You have to watch it again soon. I watched it over like the World Series or Thursday Night Football or something. There was something big going on. I was like, nope, I'm watching Heavyweights. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I'm happy that. You kind of liked it. I'm disappointed. You don't think it's all time, but we're going to get you there. It's just, it's called reps. Once you watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's certainly, it's also like recruiting too. You got to make those recruiting calls. You got to call. You can't just call one time and get a Cormani McLean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Sims is walking when they're playing the camp MVP. 
And like, it's like, if you're not paying attention, but he's like walking with a bloody nose and the guy goes, all right, Sims way to hustle. And he's just like walking as slow as human being. Like, it's just like, you have to watch it a hundred times. No, okay. no, you said one of the characters that everyone thought was looked like you Joshua Birnbaum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy called Goldberg in high school. So, uh, that was, uh, you got called Goldberg in high school or it was middle school. Okay. Like. Your name's pretty Jewish as it is, right? Yeah, well, Goldberg, right, like, the guy who played the goalie in Mighty Ducks, and his name was Goldberg. Oh, I never saw Mighty Ducks. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then. Yeah, so. Yeah, you missed a lot of the pop culture of my generation, then. Well, just like late, mid, I graduated college in 93. I lived in New York City for two years, and I moved here, and like, I just, I, obviously, I watched movies and stuff, but I guess that in my mid-20s, I just wasn't a huge movie guy or whatever. Yeah, right? you must have. There's yeah, a gap I mean, Goldberg is, he's the actor who plays. Uh, okay the goalie in mighty ducks and in the movie mighty ducks his name is goldberg gotcha gotcha okay okay thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of stars matter i'm ari wasserman that was mitch light we'll catch you guys next week (laughs) 